the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Some of the most destructive things that are going on today are the degradation of women, and with that, the feminization of young boys, and with that, the emasculation of men. quote the commercial, this isn't your father's Oldsmobile, and it's not your father's world that we live in either. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner as we continue our journey through 1 Timothy. Chapter 2, verses 8 through 15, gives us the cure for the self-degradation of women. It is a look at the biblical response to sexuality. We invite you to spend time with us today. Here's Pastor Gary with this edition of Abounding Grace. The cure for the self-degradation of women. I'd like to remind you that both passages of Scripture read today are the words of the living God. They are not the mere words of men. They are the words of God, and therefore they are of eternal truth. Now, you and I are watching the tearing apart of America as our founding fathers intended it to be. Uh, We are watching the overt, deliberate de-Christianization of America. And, of course, this is nothing new. It's been going on for generations. In fact, the first area in America to fall to anti-Christianity was New England, when the New England uh, back in the late 1700s caved into the anti-Christian Unitarianism that rejected Christianity altogether. Then by the middle 1800s, Christianity in the South was crushed by a very bloody war. And since that time, America has moved farther and farther into its war against Christianity. And in the establishment of things like compulsory state-sponsored education and the control of every area of life by the civil government, we have more and more tyranny, less and less freedom, and more and more perversion of justice until we come to today. Now, this progress toward anti-Christianity has accelerated in our lifetime. It's growing more rapidly and more ferociously and more severely and more consistently than it has in the last couple of hundred years. And it has been going on for the last couple hundred years. But today, it is far more severe and far bloodier And our opposition has no plans to retreat from any area of American life until it is all de-Christianized. Let me just give you one little example. 
I read an article a couple of months ago about the new Webster's Dictionary. And as you know, it chooses a word every year um, as the special word of the year. And what do you think that word is? Uh, Well, I thought right off it would be something like gay. Well, it's not gay. It's something actually I think is more evil. Webster's dictionary word for the year is the word they. T-H-E-Y, they. Now, now, one of the meanings for the word they is that it is a singular pronoun, they, that you use when you are not certain about the sexual identity of the people you're talking about. In other words, you're not sure whether you're talking to someone who identifies as a woman or as a man. And I, for one, am not about to use they in that way. But that gives you an example of how they want to change every aspect of life. And some of the most destructive things that are going on today are the degradation of women. And with that, the feminization of young boys. And with that, the emasculation of men. I read a book a number of years ago titled The War on Boys. How misguided policies are harming our young men. Uh, It was very enlightening at the time, but of course it was written about 25 years ago, so it was mild compared to the war that wages today. I'm sure most of you have read the story of the woman who took her husband to court because she wanted her little boy to be a girl. And she got the courts to support her desire to castrate her son. That woman is a monster, beloved. But praise the Lord, the court reversed this decision and went with the father's opinion. But this is just an example. There is a war, and the degradation of women is one of the most obvious aspects. But today, we're going to talk about the self-degradation of women. That's the most destructive thing. Now, surely in our age, women have been degraded by men. There's no doubt about that. All you have to do is look at all the accessible pornography everywhere you turn, and that is not a recommendation for you to do that, gentlemen. But all you need to know is that it is accessible everywhere. All you have to do is consider the immense growth of sex trafficking all around us, and domestic violence. And you'll understand that women have been degraded by men. But the worst thing that women have done is to degrade themselves. And with that, they intend their little boys to be feminine. Do you know in some states like Virginia, the legislature is trying to outlaw all classes of self-defense where you teach little boys and little girls karate or judo or any way to defend themselves. It's out. And they say one of the worst things parents can do is to let their children play with toy guns. Oh my gosh, is that ever awful. And with that, you have the emasculation of men. I'm sure some of you have heard of 
toxic masculinity and that there is nothing worse than being a mature man that understands what it means to be masculine, who understands what it means for a woman to be feminine, and who respects women. But, beloved, that is the worst sin you can commit in the United States today, except for one other sin, and that is to be a white adult male. Now, what do I mean when I talk about the self-degradation of women? Well, that's why Daniel read Isaiah 3. And I hope that was a shocker to most of you. I know when I read it years ago, it certainly shocked me. So let's go back to Isaiah 3.16 through 4.1. What Isaiah is doing in his book is convicting Israel of her moral backsliding. She is being unfaithful. The men are disregarding God and his claim on their lives. Then after criticizing all the men and all the men in political and ecclesiastical power, Isaiah really reproves the women. In fact, in those verses, he really goes to town criticizing the women. He mentions everything they wear. I'm not even sure what some of those things were. And in verse 16, he says, Moreover, the Lord said, Because the daughters of Zion are proud and walk with lengthened necks, which is what it really says in Hebrews. In other words, they've got their nose stuck up in the air. They think they are someone important. They think they should be the center of attention. They walk with haughty heads held high and seductive eyes and go along with mincing or dainty steps, and tinkle the bangles on their feet. Therefore the Lord will afflict the scalp of the daughters of Zion with scabs, and the Lord will make their foreheads bare. God is going to skin their scalps, and only leave a scab. So proud of themselves, so proud of their looks, so haughty, so receptive to seduction. God is going to afflict them and turn their beauty into hideousness. And the Lord will make their foreheads bare. And in that day, the Lord will take away the beauty of their ankles. And then it mentions all those other various things. Then it says in verse 24, There is going to come a day when instead of all these sweet perfumes that they bathe in, they're going to smell like a rotting corpse. Instead of a beautiful silver belt around their waist, there will be a rope. Instead of well-coiffed hair, they will have plucked out scalps. And it actually refers to the fact that most of these women will pull their own hair out. Instead of fine clothes, they will don sackcloth, and they will be branded like a slave is branded instead of beauty, speaking perhaps of tattoos. The men aren't going to get away with it either. They are going to fall by the sword in wars, and the women are going to sit deserted alone on the ground. In fact, in verse 1 of chapter 4, it is going to be so desperate 
that there will not be enough men to marry all of these women because they were killed in those wars. So audaciously, seven women will get hold of one man and say, you don't have to provide for us. You don't have to get us any bread or water. We can take care of ourselves. We'll even make our own clothes. Just let us be called by your name. Just marry us and take away our reproach. In other words, Isaiah is saying in those two chapters, when the women in a nation degrade themselves like this, it is all over for that nation. It is bad enough when the men do, but the women who are supposed to be godly mothers, loving wives, the wholesome, pure, moral woman, start living like this and dressing provocatively and are more concerned with the way they look than the state of their hearts. Judgment for God will be very hard to miss. The degradation of women by themselves show how far a nation has fallen more than anything else. All you have to do is look around us today. Now, of course, there are godly women. Probably most of you are right here in this room. They are in a minority, but there are godly women. But as a whole, to one degree or another, God has made these women ugly. Have you seen the feminists in the midst of all these protests and riots? I'm sorry to say this, but they are grossly ugly on the outside and on the inside. I read a news article the other day, and this is not anything new, but it's about a woman who lives with four men. And there is a photo in this article of her with a broad smile on her face because she said she is delighted that she is going to be able to have children by all four men and that they are all living in one big happy family. The ugliness, the perversion, the filthiness, women wanting to make themselves look as good as men or better, telling everyone that they can live happily without men. And you see the rise of homosexuality and lesbianism, which God condemns as a capital crime. In fact, the idea of homosexuality represents in the book of Romans the burning out of a culture. When a culture gives itself to and condones and legalizes homosexuality and sexual perversion of any kind, it is a burned-out culture. No one is born a homosexual. No one is a homosexual because of his genes. No one is a homosexual because something doesn't click right in the brain. And if you believe any of that, My friends, you have been brainwashed. There is no test, no matter what anyone tells you, that proves that homosexuality is natural for anyone. To become a homosexual, you make a deviant, deliberate choice that you will become one. 
And that's why in both the Old and New Testament, sexual perversion, things like pedophilia and homosexuality and lesbianism, all of it together, and it is considered the end of a culture. Now, what is the cure for this self-degradation of women? What is the cure for the feminization of little boys? And what is the cure for the emasculation of men? That's how we can apply our passage today. Our country is so perverted in its view of life that the only cure for perversion and the degradation of women appears to the enemies of the church to bring on more degradation. If I were to read this text to a group of feminists and lesbians and degenerate women, you would see tears coming down their face. But it would not be tears of conviction. There would be steam coming out of those tears because of their hatred and hostility of any opposition to them. How dare you say that this is the cure when this is that that depredates women. But, beloved, it is the only cure. And it's not my opinion. It is God's opinion. So, please, you have no argument with me from here on out. Notice, let's see what God's cure is for the self-degradation of women. We have been studying 1 Timothy for a few weeks, and I want to bring out four things that God says are cures for the degeneracy of a culture like what we're watching today. One is the proper use of the law of God. Now, we've already talked about that in chapter 1. And the law of God, when used lawfully, is a great instrument for good and an instrument for the restraint of evil. God gave his law in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Sermon on the Mount, Proverbs, Apostolic Exhortations, not so we can be saved by it, you know, if we just keep it good enough. But he gives us his law as a standard so we can know what is right and what is wrong. How should a woman live? How should a man live? And how should they live together? Here are, how are they to express themselves? So there are absolute moral standards from God in the Bible that apply to every area of life. And we in the church must remember that and begin obeying them. We see this cure is found only in the church. It is not found in a psychiatric ward. It's not found in secularized conversion therapy where you put a homosexual in a psychiatric ward and then you use all of these secularized methods and in the hopes that he will be a homosexual no longer. And of course, they don't even do that anymore because there is nothing wrong with being a homosexual. No. There is only one way to cure homosexuality, and that is for him to repent of his sins and put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, be born of the Holy Spirit, and then to begin a life in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here Paul is telling Timothy, you're a young preacher, Timothy, and I I want to tell you how you are to form a church. 
and you are going to start a church, and you're going to become the pastor of that church, and there are some times you've some things you've got to remember. And the first thing is, there are going to be some people out there who are going to abuse and hate God's law. There will be people who will reject it. There will be people who think that they can use it to get into heaven. And there will be people who just absolutely hate it because it's like shackles binding them for what they want to be and what they want to do. So in the midst of all of that, Timothy, you use the law of God the way it should be used. And the purpose of the law of God in a non-Christian's life is not only to help him see what is right and what is wrong generally, but also in his own life and to be convicted of the wrong that he is doing. One of the definitions of sin in Proverbs is perversion. That it is not just sexual perversion that is perversion. Actually, any sin we commit in life, every time we sin, we are considered a pervert. Because we are perverting God's moral order. We are perverting our relationship with Him. So Paul is saying, Timothy, use God's law properly. Use God's law to lead people to Christ. Use it to help them know what is right and what is wrong. And that there are consequences for doing what is wrong. Then, once they come to Christ for salvation, tell them. It is the manual for the Christian life. It shows Christians how to live. And the church must be the model of that in this dark and perverted world. Because you see, the church is the only place of refuge. The church should be the only place in the world where you can see what is right and what is wrong lived out in people's lives. And seeing that righteousness brings blessing and perversion and degradation brings curses. So that is the first thing Paul says. Do you want to end this degradation of women? Of course, they had it in Paul's time too. It wasn't just in Isaiah's day. Then the second thing, Timothy, is to preach the gospel. Preach the glorious gospel of our blessed God. That is the only thing empowered by the Holy Spirit that will set people free from their degeneracy and their perversion and their self-love oh timothy use the law of god there's no other standard in which we can distinguish between right and wrong we've got to show the world that there are moral absolutes that govern every area of life and help them to realize that what they are doing will destroy them eventually ask them where would we be without absolute moral standards and tell them without the word of God, we only have our own feelings to tell us what is right and what is wrong. And who was to say our set of feelings is above another set of feelings? And of course, you know, it's only those who are in power. We are 
where we are today because of moral relativism. So use the law of God, preach the gospel, which is the only thing powerful enough to change a person's life. And then the third thing that Paul gives to put an end to cultural perversion and degradation, which is what we will spend the rest of our time on today, is that there must be the reformation of the church by the word of God. That we as Christians must live in the world in such a way to show this dark and dead world how the sexes are to get along with each other and what it means to be a biblical man and what it means to be a biblical woman. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB, that stands for Post Mailbox, number 402-1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408 Eight six six five six zero seven. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.